Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to Red Shirts and Runabouts, the Star Trek podcast here on the Heroes Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 100 of our podcast series. I am your regular host, Derek, also known as the Star Trek Dude, and I have my two guest recurring hosts with me this week, this evening, uh, Zach. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. And Ray. Hi! Hello, hello. Welcome back, my my Starfleet friends. Uh, this week, we actually have a lot of news to talk about, which is pretty cool. We'll be covering uh, three different news pieces that we've got this week, which is really cool. And then after that, we will discuss Star Trek Lower Decks Episode 5, Cupid's Errant Arrow. And that's our big plan for Episode 100 of Red Shirts and Runabouts. Thank you all for joining us. Let's kick things off. Uh, let's get the short one out of the way. We've got Klingon Bloodwine coming out uh, for for all of us to enjoy in this year, in 2020. So Star Trek has uh, started to produce their own kind of small volume alcohols. We've had some Chateau Picard. We've had some vodka. We've had whiskey and scotch for, um, for Kirk and Scotty, respectively. And now we're getting two more. We're getting a... White Zinfandel, I believe, is what it, what it's called. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right, old, yeah, old old vine Zinfandel. Excuse me, my apologies. And then we are also getting Klingon blood wine, which is uh, you know, not not quite Klingon, but they did work with the Klingon Language Institute for the the marketing and the bottle design and and things of that nature. It's a nice touch. I was just surprised that there, I mean, surprised, but not surprised that there's a Klingon language institute, so. Oh, yeah, no, Klingon as a language is very serious. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. So, yeah, we got Klingon Bloodwine for 50 bucks per bottle. Uh, I am, I don't know, I'm a little curious. I got. I can't lie. Should I, should I get some Klingon Bloodwine? Yeah. <laughs> I'll come over and take a socially distanced uh, a sample, if you don't mind. Mm, socially distanced sample of Klingon blood wine. It's perfect. It's just perfect. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool. It's a Cabernet Sauvignon. Sauvignon? You wouldn't know that I was a bartender at one point. Uh, <laughs> it's, quote, cultivated to produce strong flavors that glisten a vibrant ruby color in the glass. As a special extra for fans, each bottle also features one of four unique quarks. Quarks, not quarks, quarks. Uh. Quark is a different guy. Quarks produced with different Klingon proverbs. Each bottle is then hand-filled and expertly wax-dipped at E2 Family Winery. So, yeah. I mean, does that mean we have to buy four bottles to see if we can get all four special quarks? No. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> you've got two hundred dollars to spare. You don't have a kid on the way or anything. No, yeah. <laughs> Thing is, like, I don't really drink wine. I don't really drink alcohol that much. So I would yeah. really be getting this solely because it's Klingon blood wine and the bottle looks kind of cool. 
Yeah, that, that's why I'm not going to go in for it. I, I don't drink wine all that often. Uh, it's a special occasion beverage uh, or a win in Rome beverage. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm a whiskey drinker and I didn't even get the Picard or not Picard, the Captain Kirk whiskey that came out um, yeah. a while back. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't justify the cost. I have not bought any of them, but I'm curious for any of our listeners out there, if you've bought any of this officially licensed alcohol, let us know what you got and if you enjoyed it or not, or if you've ordered something and you haven't received it yet, that's fine too. But I'm just curious to see if any of our listeners have actually purchased that stuff. I would, I would definitely like to know. Same here. Uh, next up on our list, we've got some new casting information for Star Trek Discovery Season 3. We have two new actors joining the cast blue del uh, barrio and ian alexander and they are both playing brand new characters uh adira excuse me and gray respectively adira will be the uh will be a trans character where gray will i'm sorry i apologize adira will be yeah other way around adira will be a non-binary character and gray will be a trans character and that's because ian alexander is a trans actor an out trans actor and so those are those are two brand new characters coming to to star trek discovery which is kind of cool i don't really know much about blue but ian alexander i do at least know from his voice work as lev in the last of us part two which uh did a great job so that's that's pretty cool uh any thoughts guys anything you want to say about any of this well at the moment we just have that little bit of information we don't know if they're part of the a cast or you know discovery has uh, a really good b cast as well we don't know if they're on for just this season or multiple so i'm gonna say that uh making a big deal and announcing it hopefully means they get more than one episode yeah. otherwise kind of kind of sad but it's it's really cool you know um Gender has always been a weird construct and some people fit really well into it and others don't. And I, I just think the future would reflect that more. So I'm happy to see this. Yeah. Uh, for me today was a mixed bag or the last couple of days, but a mixed bag of being both excited to be a Trekkie and just disappointed in the fandom in general. Um, yeah like i see a lot of just ignorant stupidity in the in the various trek groups i'm in where they're like first of all i see the ignorance where it's like oh like social justice warriors are ruining trek because you know from the ignorant fandom that i don't even take them seriously anymore because clearly they'd never watched a single episode or paid attention Mm -hmm. um but the more more annoying part is like the nitpick for me right now it's it's less serious but more annoying because i just don't take the other group seriously um the i'm seeing a lot of fans like nitpicking it's like well actually uh star trek the next generation already dealt with a gender neutral species and like well actually technically um um dax was transgender if you want to look at it that way because you know they were both male and female and i get that i think that this is still worth being excited about i think this is still worth making the announcement over because these were with the, the, the gender neutral species in um, Next Gen, which was a good, a little bit controversial episode, um, but it was still, it was the alien of the week. Um, and um, I think with these being presumably main characters, I saw Anthony Rapp's tweet about how he's been so excited to work with these people and has struggled to sit on this news for months now. So I'm assuming they're a bigger part than just an episode, you know, so um yeah i'm excited for this because i think trek has always been about inclusivity and you know when it first started it it was there was racial inclusivity and and we've branched out now uh Mm -hmm. and to to the 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 dax point like yes you could make the argument that there was some transgender um uh, elements to that character but still they played that character as very female the entire time and there wasn't a lot of i mean outside of one uh lesbian kiss and then one brief interaction with the klingon who knew jadzia when dax was a man um there wasn't a whole lot of 
interplay of what it means to be transgender. And, and I hope that we get more of that from these new characters. I completely agree. So uh, if the symbionts um, have a gender, you know, they never discuss it. But I would say that they're closer to being non-binary themselves because they go from host to host. That's the whole point. Jadzia herself, uh, while she may have been bi or pan or whatever you want to call it that way, but she always identified as a woman. So Jadzia was never a trans character. Now, if trans people saw themselves in Jadzia or saw themselves in the symbionts, I'm not going to try and take that away from them, but I'm also not going to argue in comments about it. Right, right. Yeah, and I, I think, like, the, the key difference is, like, allegory and metaphor, right? Rather than it being literal. Star Trek, since the beginning, has been great with allegory and metaphor, when it comes to racism, sexism, other social injustices, in the case of Trill, uh, join Trill, you know, maybe the original intention was to be a trans allegory, and there is nothing wrong with anybody seeing that. Yeah. But this is our first opportunity to have what appear to be human mainstream characters identify as non-binary and transgender, because even if you take the characters that we have seen or have been told about in star trek none of them are human Mm -hmm. that fit Mm -hmm. either of these two groups in any of those situations and i'm not saying that you know those don't count right or anything like that but i do think that making humans human characters fit into those demographics is more realistic it's more uh weighted right? Because it's more like us. And so if you identify as one of those two groups, then this is, these are characters that you can identify with probably a little bit better, better than the insectoids indeed. Just throw, you know, throw it out there. Right. And don't get me wrong. If you like that aspect of the Zindi, then that's wonderful. I'm glad. I hope you'll like this too. But I think some of the headlines are getting ahead of people because there's been a lot of headlines and tweets about these are the first uh, non-binary character in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that sentence is not factual, but that no. kind of misses the point, right? Yeah. Th- these are going to be, you know, the first kind of f- forefront characters that are more than the alien of the week, that are more than an allegory and more than an alien. Right. Right. And yeah, and to piggyback onto that point, we don't know much about the non-binary character yet or, or that actor yet or actress i don't know how you what's, what's the gender neutral of actor well i only use the actor. term actor because there's no reason for actor to be gendered no that's that's a very so. fair point i'm um, waiting for uh, <laughs> award shows to cut that out right right i mean it's no different than doctor yeah right <laughs> right you know, like we don't have doctress you know <laughs> that would be a weird world um, to live in yeah and look discovery no. already did that with emperor Giorgio. yes yeah so. But to piggyback onto your point, since we saw that we had this interview from from the um, the transgender character, I think props to Star Trek for hiring an actual transgender actor instead of just putting Scarlett Johansson in the role. <laughs> so blow, yes, blow. I, just real quick, I, I like that point. But uh, the interview is actually with Blue, who is the nine, non-binary character. Okay, okay, you're right, you're right, um, you're right. But yes, but the the trans character is being portrayed by an out trans actor and that's ian that's right that's right that's where i was getting confused yeah all good but yeah yeah we haven't really met them yet so it's you know it's hard to keep yeah it's hard to keep track of them uh since i don't know either of these actors super well at the moment they're basically just kind of names and a couple of photos so Mm -hmm. uh so i'm excited about it I'm, i'm hoping that that you know like you guys said that we get to see them more than an episode or two that they become primary at least for the season primary characters yeah. Maybe they're from this future version of the Federation. Maybe they were on the ship and we just, you know, hadn't gotten to know them yet. I'm not sure that 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 will matter much either way, but uh, yeah. th- this will be good. I'm really looking forward to that. I and trust you- Anthony Rapp and his excitement over it. Absolutely. And we're working with them. Well, and, and you know what? To, to that a little bit. So, you know, Anthony Rapp is is 
you know, portraying Stamets, who is an openly gay man in an openly gay relationship on the show. And, and Anthony Rapp is an openly gay man and has been, uh, well, he's been gay his whole life, but he's been <laughs> open yeah. for quite a long time. And he's also not Scarlett Johansson. And, you know, it's it's important to point out these these two characters and their relationship, because while, yes, Judzia had Star Trek's first same-sex romantic kiss uh, on TV, there was also, again, some layers to it that allowed people to distance themselves from it, you know? Yes. They were yeah. aliens. It's because she was from a different, uh, a different host, and they were married, right? What you know, and so this is uh, Stamets and Colbert is is just a standard human same sex relationship. There's no other layers to it, and I, I do that's feel important. bad that people completely skip over Esri and Kira's mirror universe. Same-sex well, kiss. yeah. Yeah. Like people tend to just completely ignore that. And I mean, that, that seems silly too. Cause uh, I, I don't know what it is about the nineties and making women kiss instead of men, but it, well, I think, you know, the answer to that. It's because lesbian couples are fetishized and men can't show any kind of uh, weakness and, you know, clearly kissing a man is weak. So, right. Did I get it right? Nailed it. I wasn't going to say all of that, but, okay. you know, I was mainly going to say that just in general, men tend to have less of a problem when it's women. Heterosexual yeah, and, men. And they were they were targeting men with their audience. Mm-hmm. And, and then I feel like, you know, Rick Berman and some of the others would be confused to find out that they have a, a large female fan base that actually appreciates Trek and what it's going for. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> well, um, the the kiss between Kira and Esri was totally salacious. It was supposed to be. Yeah. But the kiss between uh, Jadzia and her partner from another life, you know, that was romantic and serious and a little tragic too, all at the same time. So yeah, there's a lot on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so if you want to hear more about this, uh, glad.org has the interview with Blue Del Barrio. Again, uh, that she's playing a non-binary ca- character named Adira. And the, the, there's a big interview here with Blue, and you can learn a lot about, uh, about her and some things about the character and everything that we're not going to get into a bunch of detail because I'd rather just have you, you read it in, uh, on, on your own there. So there we go. Moving on, last piece of news. So today, kind of out of the blue, Star Trek officially announced Star Trek Day, which will be September 8th, which makes sense, of course, because that's when Star Trek premiered way back. And this kind of caught at least me off guard because, you know, they're giving us less than a week's notice. But they're doing a virtual convention of sorts, a set of eight panels that will span about three and a half hours of content starts at noon Pacific time on Tuesday, September 8th. And basically each panel focuses on a different show. So it'll, I'm just going to go through them real quick in order. So you're going to begin with Star Trek Discovery, followed by DS9, Strange New Worlds, TOS, Voyager, and they've denoted 25th anniversary for that, Enterprise, Lower Decks, and then Picard plus The Next Generation. And each panel is going to have main core cast members participating, which is a pretty big deal. The kind of ones that, that really jump out at me are the older shows, because I don't really, you know, we don't know a lot about the current contracts for discovery, lower decks and Picard cast members, and they may be contractually obligated to do these types of events, but there are a lot of old guard Star Trek people who will be joining this. Is there anybody out that that popped up on one of these panels that really surprised you guys? For example, I am very happily surprised that Scott Bakula is joining the Enterprise panel and basically almost the entire main cast is there, uh, Mm -hmm. except for Jolene. She's really the only person from the core group who's not going to be present at the panel. I, I thought that was super cool. You know, Enterprise has seen a little bit of a of a fan resurgence as of late, and I'm really happy about that. That's got to be 
due to discovery in some part you know since discovery is now the closest show in time to it and people would like to connect it you think i mean maybe there's still like a solid 80 to 90 years between those two shows uh but i mean that's, that's certainly possible part of me you know wonders if it's just because you know we have it on another streaming service now and so just more people are are just because discovery was an introduction point for a lot of new fans Mm -hmm. who had never really watched star trek at least any significant level they're now you know experiencing the old shows for the first time enterprise was the first show shot in hd so it's probably the cleanest looking show to sit down and watch other than the new stuff yeah that's fair i wasn't really surprised by any of it and that's only because we're living in a covid dystopian nightmare where zoom uh connects all of us uh, in some way shape or form and so you know even if these other actors are busy surely they can scope out like 45 minutes of their day on a certain time they don't have to take a flight they don't have to take vacation time if they're working another job like i'm i'm not not to be jaded or cynical i just think that with this being largely digital um it was probably easier to coordinate and to get these people back for um i guess that being said had uh, Avery Brooks decided to show up, that that would have surprised me. Um, yeah, that would have been big. It would have been big. Um, but yeah, like I'm, I'm just like you. I'm pleased that Scott Bakula is going to be there. Not really surprised. I don't think that he's. I mean, he's been fairly fairly active participant in conventions and such. And so, uh, but yeah, I'm excited to see him and the Enterprise cast. I'm excited. Uh, you know, I'm always excited to see the Deep Space Nine cast again. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's not everybody. Um, and the Deep Space Nine cast, um, I don't know that they'll spend a lot of time talking about it or not, but this is a cast that has uh, had two significant losses within yeah. the last year. And so I would be surprised if it's not at least some sort of mention that they had two beloved uh, you know, friends that, that passed within the last year. That's fair. Ray, did anything stick out to you? Um, no. No, not really. I was happy with uh, all the panel selections. I am very curious how and what they're going to talk about. Um, I really like the hosts, you know, getting LeVar Burton's daughter, Mika, and Will Wheaton, of course, who's doing the ready room. It, it, great selection. Oh, yeah. I am a little surprised that LeVar's not going to be on the TNG, but, you know, yeah. he has stuff to do. I was going to actually, I was going to bring that up because the, the Picard and TNG panel are one panel and Mm -hmm. Will's hosting it, but the only two like panelists are Patrick Stewart and Jonathan Frakes, which I think is very interesting because we don't have any other cast members from the main group. We don't even have any of the TNG cast members like, you know, Brent Spiner or Marina Sirtis who show, who both show up. Uh, You know, we don't have Jerry Ryan either. And so that's just kind of interesting. Uh, Michael Dorn is not present at that panel or the DS9 panel, which is also kind of interesting. So I wonder if maybe there'll be some surprises. Right. It's hard to say, especially since the DS9 panel is so fleshed out. But then on the flip side of that, you've got the TOS panel. And the TOS panel is really small. Again, Will Wheaton hosting. You've got Rod Roddenberry but you, and then George Takei, and that's it. Uh, no yeah. William Shatner and Walter Koenig and Nichelle Nichols, you know, their, their, their health isn't, isn't as good as, as George or, or Shatner. So that's not yeah. super surprising. Nichelle Nichols in the, is in the midst of a legal battle. That's true too. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's going to be a pretty small panel. I would imagine as well. And I'm both surprised and not surprised that Shatner's not there. Like, I feel like his ego both prevents him from participating, but also, you know, makes him want to be part of things as well, too. So it's always interesting to see whether or not he's going to show up to a thing like, you know, a convention or a cameo. Like, I mean, he shows up to the conventions that he schedules, but there's a lot of schedule. There are a lot of uh, conventions that he doesn't go to as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably one I'm really, really stoked about is the Strange New Worlds panel for, for two main reasons. One, it's our new show that was just announced that I'm super psyched about. The idea of seeing classic Trek with modern technology is is really uh, really exciting 
but the people and the cast is killer Mm -hmm. right and all three of our main cast members are going to be there anson mount rebecca romaine and ethan peck and then the writers the basically the writers room is going to be there akiva goldsmith a goldsman excuse me uh henry myers akila cooper and davy perez so this is a pretty stacked panel for a show that at least for me i'm very anticipating i'm really excited about Same. strange new worlds mm-hmm. and it's important that they have the writers there since we haven't seen any episodes of this show we've seen these characters on discovery but it'll be cool to have the writers there to get their perspective of what, what kind of stories they're trying to tell what direction they're wanting to look for so mm-hmm. i don't want to downplay my interest in discovery or uh my interest in uh picard or even lower decks at all but i do think that uh strange new worlds and prodigy are going to be my favorite shows out of this you know new trek renaissance and basically it's because i adored anson mount and he easily became one of my favorite captains and you know the other one prodigy i seriously want to watch trek with my daughter and you know i i just feel like she would like a kid's show a little bit more <laughs> yeah absolutely i agree on both of those so and, if- and yeah with anson mount like you know it's it's interesting he became one of our my favorite captains as well and in, in just mm-hmm. a few episodes really mm-hmm. he hasn't even had his own show yet technically yeah, it didn't <laughs> take long no but- to be completely honest, I really got attached to Lorca too. Jason Isaacs is a fantastic actor, and I'm hoping that we eventually see the prime Lorca so that he can come back. He deserves it. Hashtag give us prime Lorca. Yeah. Give us Jason Isaacs. Like <laughs> you can reimagine Data and Brent Spiner in 800 different ways, but nobody else. Give me more Lorca. Yes, Uh, I'm here for it. Uh, So the panel begins, like I said, at noon Pacific time on Tuesday, September 8th. It's about three and a half hours of virtual panels. It's also being done wrapped inside of a marathon of of Star Trek episodes that they're doing. You can go to star uh, Star com slash day for more information. I cannot tell you if these will be available in a manual asynchronous youtube type manner later or not they are being replayed later in the evening at i believe 9 p.m pacific time so with the short notice i don't know how i'm going to be able to watch any of these because they're right in the middle of my work day yeah yeah uh it ends just in time for me to get off of work though so that's a little bit of a bummer i'm hoping they'll release these as videos at least on youtube I hope so too. I'm disappointed in the timing. And it's, it's, it's like with this show, such short notice, it's not even a day that I can take off work. It's a day that right. I've got a bunch of meetings and things that I'm just, I, I can't just last minute take this day off, which is disappointing because in an ideal world, ultimately Trek's way more important than my day job. I'm just doing that to <laughs> pay my bills. Trek, Trek is a lifelong love affair. That it is. That it is. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our news segment today. So we're going to go ahead and take a short break. And when we come back, we are talking Star Trek Lower Decks, Episode 5, Cupid's Errant Arrow. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, and we are back to talk Cupid's Errant Arrow, the fifth episode of the first season of Star Trek Lower Decks, episode 783 for the franchise. This is your spoiler warning for episode five, 
of Star Trek Lower Decks because we're going to be talking about everything that happens in it. So if you're worried about spoilers, go ahead and give us a pause, go watch the episode, and then come on back and talk with us. All right. So basics of this episode, we get to see a brand new ship again, which I just, I'm I'm a ship guy. I love it. We get to see the Parliament class starship, the USS Vancouver. It's a really nice looking ship. It seems substantially larger than the Cerritos, but I'm not sure if that's perspective or not. According to Memory Alpha, it only has 11 decks, which doesn't really make it any larger than the Cerritos. But, you know, just going to throw it out there. I know, Ray, it's not really your thing, but what did you guys think of the new ship? So I loved that when they introduced it, it completely overshadowed. Uh, shadowed the Cerritos. I thought that was a really clever way to show the differences. I have trouble with the ships because they look so much alike. And when it's on the, uh, when it's live action, it's never played up for humor. So I, I don't, I don't know, (laughs) but here it was. And I was able to quickly understand the Vancouver is 10 times larger and probably newer and better than the Saratos. (laughs) Yeah. One thing the show really highlights in that scene that Ray's talking about, um, but throughout this episode is that um, I feel like they're finding their stride and and they're, they're learning how to tell more with a, a shorter time frame. Like they're learning how to compensate for the 20 minute time slot and, and still tell a story that that has some layers to it. Well, so what did you think of the ship, Zach? Uh, I don't have a whole lot to add other than what Ray said. Um, I enjoy ship designs in general, um, but it's, yeah, I mean, a lot of them can look pretty samey, especially if you're used to TOS or TNG, where they just didn't have a lot of budget to, you know, show us different ships. that's fair. So I, well, I enjoy we, ship design evolving, like from the Enterprise, you know, A through E. But sure. Yeah. Well, we did get one more new ship, which was the USS Quito, which is mm-hmm. an Olympic class starship. So that's not, I mean, it's not new for Star Trek. It's new for lower decks. The Olympic class starship is the same as the USS Pasteur in TNG's finale, All Good Things, that Captain Beverly Crusher commands in the alternate future. So that's, this is like, I think only the third time ever that we see an Olympic class starship. So that's pretty cool. I always like mm-hmm. that design. Kind of like the Dautilus a bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. It's just, the, I like the sphere. It's a totally different kind of ship, right? You don't have the saucer section or anything like that. It's the spherical front design. It's kind of cool, but that's just me. All right. Well, we can then move on to the episode at hand. So we've got two, well, There's three-ish plots that are going on in this episode, which is kind of impressive. We've got the A plot, which is Boimler's girlfriend and Mariner not believing that she really likes him. We have the B plot, which is uh, Tindy and Rutherford just geeking out over the Vancouver. And then uh, Captain Freeman is trying to figure out what to do with this moon that's about to crash into the planet. So let's go ahead and kick things off. What did you think about the main plot of Mariner trying to prove that Boimler's girlfriend is like a secret alien or something? So this is the first time I've really liked Mariner. First of all, like she's being a little insane, which (laughs) is nice because so far she's been so cool and uh, very intense and you know she makes a lot of people she rubs a lot of people the wrong way and then she still ends up getting things done so I love that she was a little annoying to Boimler and uh, that she went above and beyond in the name of friendship the it, it was even better how it turned out you know that she and uh Barb ended up bonding and becoming friends. I think that's even better because women friendships are still so wrongly written or very rare (laughs) that I I just love it. Like even Trek's pretty bad with it. I, I, 
dislike a lot of the female friendships in Trek, but this was good. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Boimler being absolutely adorable. I don't know how many times I've seen my friends or even myself like sabotage myself or sabotage themselves in a relationship. So just in the name of like being better, being cooler, being more likable, I, you know, and it just all being for nothing. <laughs> so I, I think this is the first time I really liked Mariner and Boimler and I want that Geordie bear. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Find that in anyone find that, get it for me. And if you know, you're not married to me, I will pay you back. <laughs> Barry LaForge. Oh Bear. my God. Why would you say that at my heart? It's, it's so adorable. It's I okay. mean, I feel like Build-A-Bear <laughs> needs to get some sort of exclusive uh, deal or something. Please. Yeah, make it happen. Make it so, even. Make it so. <laughs> Zach, what did you think of this? We'll call it the A plot. Yeah, so, I mean, A, B, and C, I'll just go ahead and say up front, this was my favorite episode of the show. Um, yeah. I've had some pretty mediocre feelings thus far, but like I said, I enjoyed it for what it was. And this is the first episode where I was like, huh, okay, we've got something here. I feel like they've hit their stride. I'm hoping it's not just a one-off and that like there's some momentum that they're building. We'll see in the next few weeks. Um, but yeah, I, I loved all of it. Um, I agreed with everything Ray said. The only thing I really have to add to her take on the A-plot is that um, I did like Mariner a lot more. And part of it was because we had that whole flashback to a younger, more innocent uh, Mariner. And I loved seeing, like, she's not just, she's not jealous. Like, she doesn't have feelings for Boimler. Um, she's not just controlling or, like, just, you know, upset because she doesn't have all the answers. Like, she has a very real traumatic experience in her past, and she cares about her friend and doesn't want to see her friend die the way her other friend did. Mm -hmm. And that added a layer of depth to her character that I, uh, I guess we were lacking up to this point. So... And that relationships too, the, 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 the whole relationship between the two of them and even the three of them, if you include Mariner's, uh, you know, or excuse me, yeah, uh, Boimler's one-off girlfriend, like that. And, and I guess the other thing I would add too is that um, I don't like when things are predictable and, and the three of us are old enough now to where we've seen enough stuff to where there's a lot of, a lot of times where we can predict something. And this was an episode that kind of kept me guessing. I didn't know where it was going to go and there were a few times where I thought I had it figured out uh, and I didn't. And I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Speaking of the flashback, uh, I, I just wanted to point out that I just, I found the whole thing kind of hilarious. They, they make a couple of jokes about TNG in there and there's, there's the, there's the hardcore Trekkie in me that wants to try and figure out what, what, like why they're wearing those uniforms talking about descent like it just happened but the joke right. the jokes are hilarious they're talking about how man on the enterprise it seems like something different happens every week on that ship and that was just really funny so good. <laughs> it was and there was so many references even to the original series like mm -hmm. the salt succubus and then the picture oh, of it yeah. later well then it was like oh wow, shoot what was the line it was like something about kirk and then with trip and trip, trip tucker sprink sprinkles yeah. Um, I should have right. wrote that down because it was just hilarious. I, gotta... I should have too, but there was that line too about like, or, or uh, a planet with a bunch of aliens who wear onesies and try and kill you for stepping on the grass. Right. Which is, of yeah. course, a reference to Will Wheaton <laughs> or Wesley Crusher in, I don't remember the name of the episode, but I remember the episode and, and the onesies quite distinctly. Mm -hmm. Here it is. That guy's like a Kirk Sunday with Trip Tucker sprinkles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's fantastic. I mean, that's just one of the greatest lines I think ever written in Star Trek. That's uh, mm -hmm. just so funny. So yeah, the, the jokes have been really good in, in this one. And I think for me anyway, what really works here is how low stakes most of what's going on is. Mm -hmm. yes. Right. You know, the A plot is a, just a, a one month old relationship. And the B plot, if we say that that's 10 D and Rutherford is like them just kind of, scanning and diagnosing stuff in a race to see who can do it faster to get a cool new t88 scanner right and then like the c plot yeah there's like there's some lives at stake here but even it ends up being like super low impact because the guy who's flipping out is only upset about him and his significant other and that's it they're the only people impacted by this and it yeah. turns out that like because there's just two they can evacuate at any time and 
uh, like really he just has to rebuild his summer home. Right. I just thought that was really funny. Speaking of funny quotes, because you just mentioned that one, one of my other favorite quotes from this episode was, she's as real as a hopped up cue on Picard or Captain Picard Day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think, you know, the references can get a little silly and cheesy when there's a serious tone going on, mm-hmm. right? When there's like a lot of lives at stake. Like last week's episode, the ships were basically going to be destroyed, right? right. Hundreds you know, of lives were at stake. This week's a little bit different and you can have more of these jokes because the context is your one month old relationship. Yeah. Right. Yep. And I think that that's important. It's that balance. And that's, I think that's what lower decks is really about that. These are the things that these characters are doing. They're not trying to save the population of an entire planet. Right. That's not what they do. They're just scanning some stuff in a Jeffrey's tube. Right. Right. right? So I think that's what really works for me for the, the a plot here. I, I loved Mariner through this. I thought it was the right level of crazy. I thought she was on the edge, just the perfect amount the whole time. And I loved the idea that there was something off, but it wasn't what she thought. Right. Yeah. Right. So there was a parasite, but it was actually on Boimler and there was really nothing malicious about it per se. And if anything, by the end of that, that episode, I feel like, Barb's going to try and do something with the parasite. She seemed totally kind of into that. I don't know. It was weird. And the parasite was hilarious. Like, like, lover, lover, lover. Like I was crack, <laughs> I was cracking up this whole episode, that especially. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to like, I don't want to poke holes in it, but I do have to wonder like, how does that work? So the parasite saw Barb and like connected with her, but then they're apart for a month. So does the parasite never connect with anybody else? Yes, not. Yeah, apparently. That seems I guess like a it bad... just attracts one person. Yeah, that seems problematic. Yeah. But, you know. So, I love that. I thought it was great. I am curious how they're going to explain to their superiors about the beat up uh base that they that you know that they destroyed. The platform ship, you know, they smashed through a glass yeah. wall and, you know, all that kind of stuff, which I thought was very reminiscent of the Worf Gowron fight from DS9. Sure. I think the only other time that that happens with Starfleet officers, but Hey, it could have been hit by some debris from the fifth moon as they were sure. taking it down. Totally. Yeah, That's man. my story. <laughs> <laughs> so then we have the B plot, which is Tindy and Rutherford. And they're like super geeking out over the Vancouver. And I love the joke that like, it's kind of the same ship. Yes. Right. Everything looks basically exactly the same. You even get the same shot for when Tindy first goes on the Saratos with the big insignia and the name of the ship across it, right, in the shuttle bay, and it looks exactly the same. <laughs> and Tindy and Rutherford don't it's not the same to them. It's clearly like a totally different thing. I just I loved it. I thought it was super cute. Yeah. Well, and I love their whole dynamic. Like I love how the first episode was very romantic, but they've morphed into this really beautiful platonic friendship. And they really bond, like they're very different, but they bond over their love of technology and machinery. And, and they both like, it, it's fun seeing, it's not just this one one-off weird character who's like, no, this is a different ship. It's like, you've got these two people who have this camaraderie, like, oh, these simpletons don't see, it's completely different. And, you know, <laughs> they're getting all ex- excited about like the lattice, uh, you know, uh, guarding or whatever it was. Um, so yeah like that was a lot of fun and i love seeing their dynamic evolve mm-hmm. i i really like them they are the the two that i do kind of ship i think that eventually they would make a really cute couple together i don't want it to happen right away i don't want it to be super forced but like the more they keep pairing them together the more I want it. <laughs> like, it's just super cute. And uh, the whole geeking out about the entire thing was so great. Just absolutely adorable. Yeah. yeah. It, it was it was really cute. I like them kind of racing with each other. And I also think it's really impressive that Tindy tied with Rutherford after he started using his implants to be mm-hmm. more productive. Uh, I mean, I guess that means she would have smoked him otherwise. So that was kind of interesting. And then of course you have the plot of this 
this lieutenant commander wanting to basically get off the Vancouver because he's, you know, completely stressed out and is sick of being in all these like really high pressure situations and just wants to be on the Saratos where nothing important ever happens. <laughs> Uh, which I, I don't know. I thought that was just kind of a funny wrench to throw in things to kind of, you know, give a little more oh, yeah. to the story. I thought it was super soon to have them transferred anyway. So when they started talking about it, I was like, Oh no. Like I, I didn't think that they were going to do that, but to be completely honest, it'd be a lot easier for a cartoon to follow two different ships than it would a live action show. That's true. I guess part of me was like, oh man, so something really catastrophic is going to happen to the Vancouver so that way they can't go over there. Oh, wow. That's no, what I, I didn't thought. Think about that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, they're going to have to use the Vancouver to like blow up the moon or something and lose the ship is what I thought they were going to go down that road. But that makes they yeah, did. That's a really good. Yeah. Yes. I, I didn't think that was going to happen. I had a very brief moment where the captain, um, I can't remember his name, Decent or sounds like some, uh, whatever the captain's name was, uh, that was working with Tendi uh, and Rutherford. Um, but it, there was that moment where he was like, he's got the he's got the, the the phaser up and he shoots Rutherford a couple times, once accidentally. Oh, you're talking. Sorry, so you're talking about the the he's a commander, I believe. The, yeah, I'm sorry, the commander. The yeah, not the captain. Um, and there was that that moment where. He's like, I don't want to shoot you. And I had this moment like, oh, shit, he's got a parasite too. But I was wrong. Like, like again, like I like, they kept me guessing. I thought, oh, like this whole ship's got parasites and they all want to get off and spread. And Oh, yeah. that's clever. So you were kind of merging the storylines. Nice. Yeah, that's I thought there was cool. some overlap. Yes, I didn't think of that. Yeah. Which would have been cool, but I'm too. glad that it worked out the way it did. When he pointed the phaser at them and he's like, don't make me do this. I don't want to do this. I was like, mm -hmm. oh my God, are there parasites everywhere? What's going on? But <laughs> I quickly like bounced back. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. He's just being a jerk and blaming his actions on something else. I he's did like really bad at his job. Yeah. I did like how the stun worked. You know, we're so that used to seeing funny. like, you know, you stun someone, they're just, they're out cold, but yeah. Right. Like this, this way, whatever setting he added on could affect just individual body parts. And so, you know, he can't feel his hand or his knee. And I just, I thought that's, that's a really comedic way to, to use the technology. So I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. And I thought it was uh, something new for, for mm -hmm. us to see with the stun. Uh, you're right. We've only ever seen people be put unconscious or they die with it. So I loved that it was something completely different and it just made like the hand go numb and that that was great. It makes more sense to me that future technology would have like a dimmer switch on the phaser. <laughs> and then like kind of along that vein, when Mariner tries to use the emergency transporter and she uh, you know, says, you know, emergency transport, she uses code Mariner 8. And the dude's like, that's not a real code. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. I'm so glad that didn't work. Because, like, again, it's lower decks, right? And we're so used to seeing the senior staff do this stuff. And they have security privilege to do pretty much anything on right. their respective ship or station. And so we get to, you know, they, yeah, they can... He used, you know, he stole the runabout by using an emergency transporter or whatever. But these are lower decks people, so they have zero clearance to do anything like that. And to a point that Ray's made a few times now, up to this point, we've seen Mariner, like, kind of fly by the seat of, or excuse me, uh, yeah, Mariner fly by the seat of her pants and get away with it. Um, and, and kind of, like, we've seen her make these reckless moves and still come out on top. And so for her to try something and fail, like, it kind of, it put her in her own place as an incident. And that was, that was refreshing to see. But I did like how like nothing, she never let anything slow her down. She just kept pushing forward, right? So, okay, she, yeah. she can't beam. She's going to put on a spacesuit and she's going to try jumping, you know, from platform to platform. And, you know, it takes a certain level of guts and commitment. So you can tell that she really cares about Boimler. Right. Even, even if it's a little misguided, she really cares about him. Mm-hmm. You know? I I like that the animators also showed her deteriorating over time, like her outfit, her uniform got a little messy and wrinkly and her, she, she had bags under her eyes. So uh, it looked as if, you know, she hadn't stopped mm -hmm. and she had just been going this whole time. Yep. 
I love that. And mm-hmm. you know, she's, she's got her, we've seen the picture floating around the internet, but she has, you know, her board up on the wall with all the strings connected to all the different possible yes. you know, explanations, anything except that this woman just happens to like Boimler, which right. is just hilarious. Yeah. Um, and then of course we do have the C plot, which is Captain Freeman trying to take care of this moon that is going to crash into the planet and kill, you know, millions of people. Nothing super exciting to go on there except that it just seemed really tedious for her and you know a huge pain and ended up being nothing oh i disagree i think there was a lot happening in that third one yeah um it um i felt it was very relevant like managing the complaints of these various people and then the ultimate punchline is oh hey fuck the rich by the way because <laughs> this guy doesn't want to move from this planet because this whole civilization which is just him and his very rich wife like they don't want to leave their planet, but if they don't, you know, if they don't, like the the planet that's getting or the the moon that's getting destroyed is gonna pollute their planet. Like, fuck you guys. Like, <laughs> you can move. Uh, see, this is uh, I I'm gonna jump on that as well because I completely agree. We even shared a look when that was going on when these people were complaining about. Uh, uh, some of the stuff like first and foremost the tides are very important i i'm i understand your concerns about the tides however <laughs> your ancestral homes and uh, like it, people are going to die like have some perspective and it just felt like hearing in person for the first time the arguments about the an, uh, the anti-maskers have and instead mm-hmm. of just saying it online like oh my gosh yeah. just do what's best for everybody and not just yourself it was very very timely very Mm -hmm. timely yeah i mean i I definitely think we're seeing where in historically star trek would make some very bold statements but sometimes pull the punches a little bit right we were talking earlier about allegory the cbs all access era of star trek is kind of done pulling its punches Mm mm-hmm and maybe that's the key difference between modern Trek and older Trek is just the new Trek is just not pulling any punches anymore. And if they well, we want to say about, something, they just say it. We talk yeah, about I the episode from the original series where it's the black and white aliens and, oh my God, is this about racism? And earlier today, Derek and I were discussing it and like that felt so obvious. Like there was no subtlety to that at all for me. And yet Derek's like, I I promise you there are fans out there that didn't get it. Yeah. There's a a Vietnam war episode uh, even where I don't think the fan, a lot of fans got it for the original series. Yeah, because, I mean, that that's, if they had, the truth is, if everybody had gotten it, those episodes would have ended up being banned, like the episodes that everyone did get, like when Kirk and Uhura kiss, most of the South tr- tried to ban that episode. Yeah. Uh, you know, and even in that case, you know, it's not even like, even that has multiple layers to it to, to adjust what it's <laughs> right. really happening there, right? So yeah. episodes that made it through are episodes that some people didn't get, not enough people got. Right, it was too high, high phil- philosophy for people to to pick their brains through. And I think right now, you know, the the more modern Trek is just like, you know, what we're just gonna say it and we're just gonna do it, and you're just gonna have to deal with that, you know, for better or for right. worse. And this is an example of that. They just they said the thing. They know? did well, and I mean, and this this episode, if you like, if you think about it, like tracing backwards a little bit, this was made before the pandemic. This was made before the mask debate. Like this was probably meant as a jab at anti-vaxxers, if anything, which right. is the same general argument at its core. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm with you there. But across the board, I think this episode is really firing on all cylinders. I think yeah. the ac- the actors have found their characters. I think the writers have found a groove. And the fact that they were able to balance three different stories that, I mean, to some level, you know, connected with each other, of course, but three different stories in like 25 minutes and have them be basically fleshed out stories. I'm very impressed with this episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I will say that the captain of the Vancouver is following this unpleasant trend in Lower Decks where all the captains are giant douchebags. Yeah. It used and to be the admirals. Now it's the I know. Yeah, I it's thought the you captain. had to get to the admiral level to be that bad. But no, I, don't, don't you don't you get it though? Yeah, it's to make our lower decks characters look better. 
it's well, it's because we were brought down a level, right? Yeah, Before right. it was the senior staff and the bridge crew and the captain. So who right. who's bad? The guy in charge. Now it's the person in charge of the lower decks people. Right. Right. No, I totally understand why they're doing it. I just, you know, the Federation and Starfleet have done so much to promote only the best of the best that all the captains being douchebags in this timeline kind of sucks. That's all. Well, yeah. I don't I mean, think only... Freeman is. I think Freeman makes some stubborn mistakes in just about every episode. But I don't think she's a douchebag. I will say that. I think she's frustrated with the missions the Saratos gets. I don't even think she cares what ship she's on as long as she has missions that are meaningful. I think that's the big problem is she is she's she's bored of not doing meaningful work. That makes sense. That's what I gather. Yeah. 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 Being second contact just to like sign contracts and get the people what they want to be part of the federation it's got to be boring yeah exactly now is there anything else that happens in this episode that you think we should mention before we wrap things up for the week anything that comes to mind nope i thought it was a good conversation i thought it would be fun just to read the quote that uh zach was referencing earlier where Mariner's trying to, to tell Boimler what she thinks is wrong. And she says, I think she's a secret alien who's going to eat you or a Romulan spy or a salt succubus or an Android or a changeling or one of those sexy people in rompers that murders you just for going on the grass. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so great. <laughs> it is. It's my favorite quote in the episode. <laughs> There's just so much in there. There are so many references in that sentence. It's just wonderful. There is. There's so many references throughout. In fact, I like, I was reading an article earlier and I completely missed that there's a, on the uh, Mariner's board, there's a picture of Data, Data's daughter, Lol, um, on that board. Oh, so, wow. I didn't see that. I didn't either. So I'm going to have to rewatch. That's interesting. I missed that. That's, that was very interesting. It was fun. I, that's all I can really say about it. I think it was a really fun episode. I really enjoyed it. And I'm like, I'm really excited now for next week. I laughed way too hard when Mariner is running down the hallway and she like shoves the Andorian woman out of the way and she's like, Jennifer! Like, (laughs) yeah, I did too. There's no reason why that should have been so funny to me, but the fact that this beautiful Andorian woman has like a straight up white bread name is hilarious. It was funny. Yeah. It felt like a very Karen moment, but they didn't take the easy route and call her Karen. They gave her right. Jennifer. Jennifer. It was Damn funny. It Jennifer. And I, I like they're, they're taking opportunities to bring in aliens w- when they can, which mm-hmm. I really appreciate because at the end of the day, it's a lot cheaper for them to, to animate an Andorian than it is to make a live action Andorian. Yeah. So they have I, no reason not to. Yeah. So I really appreciate that they've been doing that. I hope, I hope we continue to see it. Yeah. All right. Well, then that's going to wrap things up for us. This this is episode 100 of the series. And so I just want to thank everybody who has been listening to us, whether it's since our very first episode way back when or you've joined us recently. Thank you for listening to the show. I want to definitely thank both of you guys for guest hosting uh, with me over the years. You know, right now, of course, we're doing this 10 episode stint for lower decks, but we also reviewed all of the movies together and, you know, we've done, we've done other, other things on the show as well. So it's been really fun and to hit another, you know, a hundred episodes is it's a big milestone. So yeah, we've done a lot together. One might say that it's uh, been a long road getting from there to here. You know, it it has been, it has been, (laughs) but you know, our time is finally near, I think. Uh, and with that, uh, Zach, if people want to sing the song from Enterprise <laughs> with you, how, how can people find you? Uh, at AvengerZS would be my Twitter handle, and that's probably the best place to reach me. Awesome. And Ray, if people want to talk Trek or something else with you, because you, <laughs> you have other interests, you know? Not, not Zach, he is just one interest no it's just it's just star trek i'm a very simple person (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm at Siren Ray on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I am the Star Trek dude. You can actually find Ray and myself also co-hosting the Screen Heroes podcast here on the Heroes Podcast Network. It's our film podcast that we do with a third buddy and we talk lots of movies during the pandemic we've been doing lots of anniversary reviews you know 10 15 25 year anniversary so you can check out a lot of fun stuff that we're doing there and other than that we are red shirts and runabouts you can find us at red shirts pod on twitter or heroespodcast.com and the heroes podcast network on facebook please join our facebook group facebook.com slash groups slash red shirts and runabouts. You can talk Trek with us, post memes. We do polls and build our ultimate star Trek crews. We also live stream this podcast every two, every Thursday night, excuse me, every Thursday night at 10 PM Eastern time. And you can chat with us during the show. So thank you to everybody who watched us live. And if you don't watch us live, that's cool. You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple podcasts, uh, podcast addict google play you name it we are out there just look up red shirts and runabouts if you leave us a review i promise we'll read it on the show good or bad so why don't you do that drop us a review on apple podcast podcast addict or pod chaser and we will talk about your review on the show we'll be back next week to talk episode six of star trek lower decks and maybe some of the stuff that comes out from star trek day thank you everybody for joining us live long and prosper